Overflow podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I wanted to take the time to thank you today for listening to our podcast, whether you're doing that through the app or through the website. We just want to know that we appreciate you tuning in, and we hope that you are encouraged to encounter Jesus like never before. Hey, we had some technical difficulties this Sunday, so I wanted to go over our notes that we have. If you didn't know, we do have the notes available on our website and also on our Overflow DFW app that you can listen to there. We are on this series called The Journey, and this week we are talking about fuel for the journey. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 says, May the God of peace, who the through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, his poetic masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I tell you today that you are beautiful, that you are God's creative, poetic masterpiece, but God didn't just create you that way so that you could just be fearfully and wonderfully made, so that you could just be uh, gorgeous to look at, or that you would have extreme functionality but that you would be beautiful because you were designed for beautiful things. God has a great plan for all of us. That's what this series is about. And I want to encourage you today to go ahead and start moving forward on your journey. You know, if you look at a ship, it's a lot easier to get a ship moving or it's it's a lot easier to steer a ship if it's moving. Uh, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to go and spend some family time at a, a pastor's retreat. Uh, about an hour away and they had some ponds there and in the pond they had some of these pedal boats so I took the our two older kids Mariah and Judah and we went out and we got into this pedal boat and uh, it was a lot of work and I was doing most of the most of the pedaling in this little boat but one of the things I noticed is when we first got in the boat it was kind of hard to turn if the boat was sitting still but as we began to move the boat we could turn the boat easily. We could uh, turn the little rudder on that boat and we were able to steer it. And many times we're asking for God in our lives to give us direction, but we're not moving. So it's a lot harder for the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us simply because we're kind of stuck at the dock. So I would encourage you, get moving, get moving with God, do what he's already called you to do, and then allow him to, sh to turn your ship. We're talking about fuel for the journey, and if I was going to go backpacking, which is kind of the theme for this series, if I was going to go backpacking tomorrow on a journey, one of the things that I would put in there, one of the essential things, is I would put uh, some type of granola bar or some kind of snack. In fact, anytime I go camping, one of the things that I focus most upon is the food that I'm going to take with me. I love eating outdoors. Everything tastes better outdoors, so... 
uh, I, I want you to think about that. You've got to have fuel for the journey. And if we're going to go forward, if we're going to do the things that God has called us to do, then we've got to pack some fuel. We've got to be taking fuel with us. If, if we're not nourished, if we don't have this nourishment, we cannot carry out the will of God. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, Leslie and I were... Uh, we went to Walmart for some reason. I always hate going to Walmart, but sometimes Walmart calls. Uh, there's needs that only Walmart can meet. And so Leslie was inside of Walmart, and I was sitting outside in our van. We knew we needed to get gas. Leslie calls me on the phone to tell me uh, about some some news that we were uh, just discussing and some plans we were making when we left Walmart. And when she called me, I was on the phone with her and we, I actually ran out of gas in the van sitting in the parking lot at Walmart. So I had to go into Walmart and get a gas can and walk to the gas station and fill it up and come back and put gas. Why? Because in order for the vehicle to move forward, in order for it to function the way it's supposed to function, it must have fuel inside of us. And so when we are on this journey with God, when we are living for God, when we are doing the things that he's called us to do. We've got to have fuel for the journey. And I want to talk about some different types of fuel today. First of all, the first fuel that we must have in our lives is the Word, the Word of God. Now, last week we talked about the map, and, and the map is the Word of God. And is it is it the map or is it the fuel? Yes, yes, it is the map and it is the fuel. When we think of the the map, we're talking about the the, the what we would call the, the the objective word of God, the written word of God, and uh, that's a little bit more objective. But but in our journey, we we must also have the subjective word of God. We have, we must have, must have the word of God in our lives that causes us to tick, not just a book written on paper, but a living, active word in our lives. In Matthew chapter four, verse one. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Uh, I always think it's funny when Scripture does this to us. It says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I think that we could draw our own conclusions, but Scripture went on to tell us that he was hungry. Uh, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are... The Son of God, the enemy will always come. He'll always test our identity, always question our identity. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. Now, let me just say this, that the enemy will always offer shortcuts to distract us from our purpose. So we got to make sure that we are solid in the word, just like we, Jesus was right here, that we won't sell out in our moment of weakness. When we're hungry, we won't eat the bread that the enemy is offering us, but we'll, we'll nourish ourselves on what God says. And so Jesus says no to him. He says the scriptures say, again, how important it is for us to build a grid upon the scriptures. No, the scriptures say that people will not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Last week, we talked about building that grid for understanding God's ways and developing an ear uh, by being a person of the word. This is how we familiarize ourselves with the word of God, with the Bible. Um, we, we look at the scriptures and we, we call this the logos and the rhema. Uh, that means the logos is the, the written word of God, but rhema 
is the spoken word of God. So when we, we talk about the word being written, we can think of it as, as, as the logos, which is incredible. But we've also got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is what is called the logos. And Jesus, or, or I'm sorry, the rhema. So when Jesus says this, that we live by the rhema, we live by what God is saying. Jesus also said when we pray that we should ask God to give us our daily bread. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11, Jesus said this, Father today give us our daily bread. That, That it's not bread that was good a year ago or a week ago or yesterday. We don't eat once a week. We eat daily. And what do we feast on? We feast on the words from God's mouth. And just like we get malnourished, we will get malnourished by not eating physical food, Our spirits will get malnourished by not feasting on the words that are coming from God's mouth. So I encourage you, develop that understanding. You will have no fuel in your journey. We live by the words that come from God's mouth. Number two, the second type of fuel in our life is the call. The call. Now Jesus, in John chapter 4, we talk a lot about the scripture here at Overflow. In John chapter 4... Uh, Jesus is traveling through Samaria. Uh, he sits down at this well because he's tired and he's thirsty. His disciples go into town to get food. And this woman, a Samaritan woman, walks up to the well that Jesus is sitting at. And uh, Jesus asks her for a drink. And we, we've talked about that story before uh, many times at Overflow. And then he says this in John chapter 4. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus replied, I do not have the kind of food that you know nothing about. I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. And so the disciples say this. They said, Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked one another. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. See, Jesus' fuel in his life didn't just come from the physical eating of food, but we also see right here that he said that he was nourished by the calling of God, the will of God in his life, by doing what God had called him to do, by doing what God is finishing to do. You know, when I look at this story uh, this passage of scripture, I, I, I kind of think it's funny, especially the last scriptures. What's up with Jesus being hungry all the time? And I, I believe that that's a, a direct connection. I think maybe Jesus forgot to eat sometimes because he was so so focused on his spiritual calling. He was so focused upon the the nourishment that came from doing the will of God. And you know, when we are living with that purpose, sometimes we forget the details. Uh, we we forget to you know to eat because we're so busy fulfilling God's will. Uh, you know the call in our life, that calling that to know what God has called us to, that purpose that God uh, speaks to us, man will drive us to do some crazy things. I, I heard a couple weeks ago about a pastor that pastored a church in Paris, Arkansas, probably a hundred years ago, and the man pastored in one town and lived in another town. And the story was told that he actually uh, had to travel 30 miles on foot to go pastor this church on the weekend. So every Friday morning, the pastor would wake up and pack his lunch and pack his clothes, 
I don't know how he carried it, probably a backpack of some sort, and he would, would travel over the mountains of northwestern Arkansas over the hills through these pig trails for 30 miles every Friday and go to this little church that he pastored there in Paris, Arkansas. He would set up a little place in the corner of the church where he could sleep and prepare for the message that Saturday. On Sunday, he had prepared that he would preach the message and meet the needs of his congregation. And on Monday morning, he would wake up and take that long journey, that 30-mile on-foot journey through the, through the wilderness of northwestern Arkansas. And I was blown away when I heard this, sto- this story. And I think what, blo- what just caught me so off guard is what would, what would fuel a man to do this? What would cause a man to travel 60 miles every week? to go to this church and pastor these people, to leave his family and go do this week after week, year after year. And it's simple. The thing that would cause a man to do this is the call of God. Men, when you know that God has called you to do something, it will make you do the outrageous thing. I I remember years ago in 1993 when when God called me into the ministry, I was in this, this camp called Roaring Springs, it was a youth camp, Assembly of God youth camp in in West Texas, and uh, there was it was called Roaring Springs. There was no spring, and sometimes there was, but it was never roaring. Uh, this is plot of land; it was dry. And I remember every night our youth pastor was sick with a terminal disease, and I, I would gather the young people together. Our, the guy that was filling in for youth was was not with us, and so I kind of played that role. I was 18 years, and I, I think I just turned, I was 18 years old, maybe about to be 19, and I would call all the young people together, and every night we would pray for our youth pastor. And the last night of that camp, that Thursday night, or it feels like it was yesterday, I remember gathering all these young people together, and looking around these people and 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 just talking to them and and praying for our youth pastor and i remember at that moment it wasn't a voice it wasn't you know i didn't see a bright light but i looked around the circle of young people and i knew at that moment that i was going to spend the rest of my life gathering people around the presence of jesus that bringing people to a place of encounter encountering god to pray for needs to meet needs to touch heaven and allow heaven to touch earth. And uh, at that time, I thought that that calling was always going to be student ministry. Did student ministry for you know almost twenty years. And during that time, that 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 calling from that moment just began to unfold. It wasn't so specific to young people as I thought it was in that day, but it was specific to gathering people around God's presence. And and there's not a day that goes by probably in my life that I don't think about that moment when God put a calling on my life. One of the beautiful things about living for a call just like Jesus did is that it changes our measure of success. Uh, when when the call is what nourishes our journey, we're we're not as easily discouraged by obstacles, by roadblocks, by detours or delays because we understand that our success is found in our obedience to what God has called us to do. It's not found in our productivity, what we would deem as fruitful Our success is found in our obedience. There's four ways that I I believe that we can recognize the call of God on our life. I don't believe that this list is is extensive. But I I wanted to just kind of break down real practical here uh, today is 
four ways that you can recognize God's call in your life. Number one, what do you think it is? What do you think the call of God on your life is? You know, Scripture tells us, and we talked about this last week, that we have a renewed mind. Not a removed mind, Romans 12, but a renewed mind, that we have the mind of Christ. So we've got to understand, sometimes we underestimate our thinking. Listen, we have the power of a transformed, renewed mind to look like the mind of Christ. So what do you think the will of God for your life is? What is that one thing with utmost certainty that you believe that God has called you to do? Now, I didn't say absolute certainty. I don't know that there's been one time in my life where I was absolutely 100% sure that that day in 1993 that God was calling them to me, calling me to the ministry. But I can tell you that it, it's up there. It might be 90% some days. It may be 60%. Man, there might be days when it's 20%. But I'm mostly sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not without a shadow of doubt, but I'm of utmost certainty that I am called to the ministry. I didn't have an audible voice. I didn't have a burning bush. But with utmost certainty at that moment, I, I, I felt like this is what God was calling me to. And let me just say this about calling is that you can quit a job, but you can't quit a calling. And so what do you think that is? That might be your career. It could be. It might be. But your career might just be a way to complement your calling. Maybe your calling is inside of your career. Maybe your career provides a way for you to fulfill your calling. I remember years ago, I was working in the oil field for, I don't know, 50 to 60 hours a week. And I was youth pastoring at the same time. And years had passed and, and I had a, a spiritual son come to me and he said, man, Josh, how were you able to do that? Uh, those couple of years, how were you able to work the 60 hours a week so you could be a youth pastor? And I said, man, the only w way that I could do that is because I wasn't living for that 60 hour a week job. I was living for the call. I was living for the youth pastor position that I'd had, the thing, the, the assignment that God had had me in. And I knew that if I didn't have a reputable job and pay my bills, that my calling would be insignificant uh, in my impact. So I knew that I had to have this other thing to complement the call of God in my life. So what do you think the call of God in your life is? And number two, the second way to recognize the call of God, what's in your heart? You see, we don't all get a burning bush. Sometimes we just get a burning heart. What is that thing that keeps you up at night? What is the thing that bugs you? You know, I've heard it said before that Sometimes our misery is our ministry. What, can I tell you that if something's really bothering you, that maybe God is calling you to bring forth change? If you've ever said there should be a blank ministry, maybe Jesus is calling you to that specific ministry. Rather than complain about it, well, we should have a blank ministry. Maybe you should do a blank ministry. Can I also tell you that sometimes the need is the call. Sometimes we see a need and that need is heavy on our heart. It's burning in us. Man, this need, all these people. I, I think of, of a man named Bill Wilson who, who uh, has pastored uh, tens of thousands of, of uh, children in New York City in the, in, uh, the, 
I don't know, I think it's the Bronx or something like that, that he he's there every Saturday doing sad, Sidewalk Sunday School, probably to this day still doing it. And when people ask Bill Wilson about his ministry, they say, Bill, what, what, when, what was your calling like? He said, I've never been called to the ministry. He said, I simply saw a need and I met it. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that this man is called to ministry, but his calling didn't come like many times we would see it. Sometimes we get a burning bush. Sometimes we just get a burning heart. So what's in your heart? Number one, what's what do you think it is? Number two, what's in your heart? Number three, what is your motivation? What is your motivation? Is, is your motivation for that which you feel like God has called you to do? Is it for Christ and his kingdom? Can Jesus be glorified in it? Or is it all about you? Listen, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not about you being happy. Your calling isn't about you being happy. You should be fulfilled. And God, I, I believe that we function better when we feel fulfilled. But it's not about us. What is our motivation? Is it about the king and his kingdom? Or is it about us? I think that's an important question when trying to recognize our call. Number four, is it bigger than you? Can I say, if, if you don't blush a little bit with how ridiculous your calling is, then it's probably not big enough. That dream that's in your heart, if you don't get a little bashful when telling others how big it is, then it might not be big enough. Can I also tell you that you get to partner with a great architect of dreams? So dream and dare to do something that you're totally incapable of. Do something that's so much bigger than you are. Put it all on Jesus to qualify that which he has called you to do. The calling has got to be bigger than you. God isn't going to call you to something that you can do outside of him. He's only going to call you something to do that you have to depend on him to accomplish. It's just a little bit about recognizing your call. So, the fuel, number one, the word, number two, the call, and number three, our yes. Our yes is what qualifies us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, it's not that we think that we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. See, the very fact that God has called you reveals that you're qualified to do it. Not because you're smart or good looking or intelligent or gifted. No, no, no. It's because God has built you to accomplish this. If God gives the dream, then it's his job to empower you to fulfill it. If we do not feel like we are qualified, if, if, if we do not feel like we are qualified, we will find ourselves doing something else or end up doing something in our own strength. So we must understand that our qualification comes from God. We are qualified, but only because we said yes to it, not because our gifting. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7 says, this is my life work. I'm reading from the message translation. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. 
So here I am, preaching and writing about things that were way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. Here's Paul, a guy that was murdering Christians on his way to murder another one, and God calls him out. He didn't have qualification. He didn't have the right degree plan. He was totally, he didn't even have the right personality. But God said this, you're the man. This is what you're supposed to do. You see, Isaac was a dreamer. Jacob was a treater. Peter had a temper and denied Christ. David had an affair and tried to cover it up with murder. Noah got drunk. Elisha was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer and he was way too religious. Timothy had too many ulcers. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. Isaiah preached naked for three years. John the Baptist ate bugs and had second thoughts about the very Messiah he baptized. Jeremiah was way too emotional. Moses stuttered, Zacchaeus was too short, Abraham is old, and Lazarus was dead. But can I tell you today that my God takes great delight in equipping the unqualified. It's what he does. He takes those that aren't ready and makes them ready. My God takes great delight in equipping the unqualified. So your yes is what qualifies you, and that will be the fuel for your journey, understanding that God is the one that qualifies you. You get to do this because God called you to. Number four, the fourth thing, that way that we put fuel in our tank for the journey is by nurturing what nurtures us. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word is living, it is growing, Joyce Meyer says this. She says, there's life in the word. We've heard that, right? Life in the word. Joyce Meyer, right? You've heard that before. There's life in the word. And it's so true, isn't it? That we must get this word, not just an experience of it, but that we ingrain it in our lives, that we meditate upon it, that we think about it, that we dig it into our hearts, that we we burn it in our hearts, that we write it on, Uh, mirrors, that we write it on sheets, that we stick it all over our house, that we continually nurture that word that is nurturing us, the call, the assignment, the vision, that we put it before ourselves, that we work it into every area of our lives. Matthew chapter 13, God really started dealing with me uh, about two years ago about this particular scripture. This is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, 33, is like The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. That's the way the word is. The word must be worked in to our life. My wife uh, makes cakes and she makes this uh, type of icing, for lack of a better word, called fondant. And what fondant is, is kind of like a sweet dough that lays over the cake, and it's real sleek. It looks great. And sometimes Leslie will be making this fondant, and she told me, she said, the, the hardest colors to make are red and black. And and so she, she wants to make a 
some red fondant, she'll make the dough and then she'll put some red uh, food coloring in there and she'll work it in. She'll be throwing elbows in it and knees and kneading it together and putting more in there and continually works it until it permeates every part of the dough. And this is what we've got to do if we want the Word of God to change our nature, if we want to be guided by God's Word, we must continually need the Word, the call, the assignment of God into our heart, into our life. We must nurture what God is speaking. It might be a scripture, a word, a reminder, something always in front of us to need the Word of God in our life to remind us that God has a specific purpose for us and he will empower us to do it. So I want to thank you so much uh, for listening today. And I just want you want to encourage you to stir that gift in you. This is what Paul told Timothy to do. He said, fan the flame, stir that gift, stir that word, stir that calling in your heart of what God has called you to do. Just begin to stir it in your life. Set up reminders, put it in front of you. And just watch the Word of God become alive and fuel your journey. 